I want to begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded and to pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be listening today. I'm going to keep my introduction fairly brief because I'm excited to share my interview with the sensational Kyle Laz, aka the Chocolate Wizard. In this conversation, Kyle and I explore many dimensions and ideas and concepts right through from alchemy through to his journey with accountancy, right through to why sales is important at the very beginning of your journey as a spiritual or conscious coach or entrepreneur. So plenty of things to sink your teeth into in this conversation. And I was just jumping in to say because this conversation, this podcast is still relatively new. If it is your first time listening, I definitely encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. This podcast will be coming out on a weekly basis and will be bringing you a wide range of conversations from my own personal experiences insights and musings on this topic as well as a range of interviews from guest experts in this topic from both the worlds of magic business and of course the intersection of the two for those of you who tuned into last week's episode you may recall that i touched on the reason that i'm so passionate about this integration of magic and business and this being an opportunity for entrepreneurs to create their business as a vehicle for their soul's calling and the expression of the truth of who they're here to be in this lifetime on a high esoteric level and a more practical level beginning to integrate these elements to support us in our financial growth our emotional growth and our personal growth so if that is something that is alive for you something you want to dive into deeper I have included the link in the show notes below to take my free nine question business archetype quiz, which will support you to begin to understand your unique strengths and opportunities in the current expression of your business and what the best next steps are to support yourself to enhance what you're already doing well and to begin to create more ease and flow as you continue to grow your business. If that sounds like something you would like to take advantage of, definitely recommend you going and clicking on the link in the show notes. And without further ado, I bring you the chocolate wizard, Carl Laz. So super excited to be joined today by Carl Laz. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Carl Laz, where have you been? Here is the chocolate wizard and he is my very first guest on the pod. I'm so excited to be talking with him. He already knows that I'm a massive fangirl. He is someone that I could listen to for hours because his passion and his depth of knowledge is unparalleled. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with his work, he is a herbalist, a vibrational medicine practitioner, and co-owner of the amazing Flower of Life Cacao, which if you are yet to try, highly recommend. It is really about blending that space of the spiritual and the practical, which is what we're all about here on this podcast. So cacao for peak performance for entrepreneurs and high performers. Welcome, Carl Laz. How are you doing? Thanks, Jess. That was a great intro. <laughs> yeah, really great to be here. Honored and yeah, grateful. 
when I was writing, I mentioned this to you before we jumped on, when I was talking about uh, like the dream list of people that I would love to have on this podcast that really crossed that intersection between magic and business, of course, your name came up. So I'd love to know what was it about alchemy that really spoke to you? Wow, alchemy. Well, firstly, I think that the secret and sacredness of alchemy is what did speak to me. And then there's the aspect of that it's an internal process first before it's an external process. Um, and what else about alchemy? There's another piece in there about raising vibration. So instead of being specific on what exactly are we doing, how are we changing the world, even though the world doesn't need to be changed and it's perfect, how are we raising frequency? And then from raising frequency, how are we then devoting that to relieving suffering? So for me, there's an aspect of personal work in there of like individual dharma and dharma for others and dharma for like the greater whole. Um, yeah, that, I think that's how alchemy speaks to me. I love that. I knew you'd have the perfect answer. So can you share a little bit more around what your journey was down the path of herbalism? And when did you realize that it was something that was beyond your own personal work and something you wanted to take to the masses? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think it was in my early 20s. I think I was 20 or 21 where I started a Bachelor in Health Science. Previous to that, I studied engineering and building design and, and things like that and always just found myself more drawn to the pub at a university um, and sitting and congregating with artists in circles and not going in the, into the actual classes. Um, and then ref reflected on my life as to what had been around me and, and natural medicine had always been the first um, first line of treatment in my in my home so lucky enough to have a mum who's a healer so when I did go like what do I want to do with my life or what should I study I knew I had to study something so I studied herbal medicine and during that process it was always just I'm just here to learn and to work on myself and I don't think I'll I will practice but the changing point was probably around 2012 where I I was already holding some like healing events, gatherings, sound, vibration, being of service in that way. And I walked the Camino, uh, which is in Spain. It's a walk from like south of France to Spain. And when I got back from that, the calling was really there to share what I had learned. And that's probably where my my business journey, I'd say, would would have started and been birthed. Yeah. So with that journey into work for self and to working with others on this path as well, at what point did the chocolate wizard land? That's a good, that's a good question too. Um, the chocolate wizard first came in actually in a dialogue I had with one of my alchemy mentors where he had shared with me that when he was a kid, his mum had recorded all these tapes of him and when his mum had passed he listened to these tapes and one of the tapes were her asking him what do you want to be when you grow up and he said i want to be a wizard and he said how interesting is it that i'm now this 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 and doing all these things and really working with herbs when the etymology of a wizard is someone who seeks wisdom 
shares wisdom and holds counsel for wisdom. So that at that point, that's actually where the name landed. Because by that stage, people were calling me a chocolate alchemist and things like that. And for me, alchemy is, is, is sacred and it's a secret and it's the biggest known secret. So if someone is calling himself an alchemist, they're probably not. Um, and the alchemists know who the alchemists are. That's, you know, it's the most written about topic in the world. So I had this hesitation of like, I'm not going to call myself that, but there has to be something there. So the wizard is also a really fun way. So that was, I guess, the, the first point of initiation. And then I think fast forward like six years where I'd actually stopped making chocolate, denounced it when I was a coach and I was doing transformational work and I took a group to Peru to drink ayahuasca and do breath work with a 70 year old shaman. And it was when I got back from that being like, well, there is like no purpose in doing anything because everything's perfect. Um, that I remember sitting on the beach on a full moon and doing a ceremony there, just going like, what am I meant to be doing? Who am I? And there's just this voice that said, you're the chocolate wizard. And I was like, all right, I think that was 2019. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to fully be the chocolate wizard. So for that whole year, I devoted to being the chocolate wizard completely. And then it, that was essentially the, the first steps into it. So I think everything before that was the actual initiation. So when you kind of say, I'm going to be this, and then you're not quite embodied in it yet. And then it, all the other things happen. So yeah, that was, that was the point on the beach. It was, it was Corumban, Corumban beach. In fact, yeah. One of my favorite parts of the coast. I love Corumban beach. Yeah. I've actually been really thinking about that concept of the declaration of magic when one intends to, well, you know, when someone makes that declaration to the powers that be themselves, whatever it is that you uh, believe, that declaration of magic, do you feel that that was what sparked the initiation or what is your take on this idea of, of fatedness versus the will? Mm. I definitely feel like there's a will there, but I also think it's, we definitely have free will and I think there's how well someone listens um, because I think it's, if we're only listening to some things, then we don't actually know who's on the other line. Um, so a good example is like, if, if we're doing a ceremony and we're asking a question and you get an answer and we don't follow through with it, then on the other end, wherever that is, you know, higher self, ultimate, whatever it is, could just like then hang up and something else could pick up the phone. So next time we do a ceremony, it's actually not the same being, um, so I wonder, I do, I do think like spirits hang up on people and then other like more Loki type beings, more like uh, Joker, jester type beings, then, then mess with stuff more like pan characters that kind of take people off the path. So I do know that I think I was 18 or 19 where something came over me where I was like about human race and like this whole why we're here. And I committed to something then. So I often reflect on that, that I, you know, did the whole, I'm here, I'm going to do it. And then there's kind of no good turning back from that. Well, there is, but it, it makes everything harder. Yeah. So does that answer your question? It hundred percent does. It was that idea of like, you know, where was the path of initiation started? Was it the declaration? And as you said, there was this, this inclination and there was this deeper knowing 
of this curiosity for the things beyond like you know why am i here what am i here to do and i think that that is something that so many healers practitioners people that are interested in magic resonate with is this innate connectedness to something beyond the self so with magic and business what has been your experience in terms of being a magical business person how have you found that i'm really grateful for awesome mentors um that were able to remind me that we can weave those worlds of of the plants and of ritual and of magic with business um so that was that was a big point because i i did kind of just go i'm gonna do business and put my head down and did what everyone told me to do and then reached the top of what everyone said i should do and felt completely empty um and I was at that point where I found a mentor. Um, it's usually a mentor that annoys you first. Um, and yeah, then then uncovering and being able to see it through a new lens, just having a mentor that can say, hey, you can do all these things. And actually, if you do all these things while you're doing business, do be you while you do business and integrate these 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 other practices and you know, about accounts and banks and business entities so then it started opening a whole new lens of like oh my business isn't just a business but in the system it's a business entity and in magic we talk about entities like everything's alive so my business is actually alive and am i working on it or is it working on me and so then it makes it a bit more um interesting i guess and there's opportunity there to I guess, take the ego out to a certain level, allow the ego to, to make the certain decisions and drive, but then also know that there is, there's something bigger happening and, and being able to be, a, be observant to what actually wants to happen while grounding it. That makes sense. Um, and the rituals can be everything, you know, doing the tax or going to see your accountant can be a spiritual magical experience seen in the right way because you're talking about money which is currency which is energy and they really know about those things to a certain degree like how to put it in buckets you know or how to create riverbanks so the water flows in a certain way so i guess it's for me i i i've got a whole nother narrative of business and money in my brain and how that ties in with energetics as well so the internal and the external as well yeah i'm so on the same train with you there that has been the game changer for me because very similar parallels to your story i was in the fitness industry and i thought you know that was from my journey of having anorexia having an eating disorder and finding that fitness was the thing that finally allowed me to have agency in my body and it was very much you know i'm going to go into the fitness world and if i can help one person then it's worth it and then you know of course the the ego gets involved and it's like well how far can i push this thing get to the point that i fully realized this business and realized i hated it wanted out and then made the departure into coaching and feeling really disenchanted disillusioned with this idea of business and it wasn't until accessing that magical consciousness of this idea of the business having its own thing that we are co-creating with that it was just mind mind boggling and amazing and things just started to take off for me from there and so resonate with currency and working with the, the flow of things with that being said clearly one of the things that you're deeply in relationship with is cacao how did that all start 
Fikau, it was about the same time, actually, 2012. I'd say it's on that precipice where um, I was like, okay, I'm going to be of service. I'm going to start building something. And I created my company, which is Healing Culture, um, because there's so many healing cultures around me, like the kombucha. And, and I knew I wanted to mix herbs with it. So long story short, I looked into herbal kombucha. Um, and there was a few things that just didn't feel right when council didn't even know what it was. And I knew there was alcohol in it. And I, I knew there was alcohol laws. So I just kind of left it. And at the same time, I learned how to make chocolate through one of my partners at the time who um, didn't eat gluten or dairy. So she made her own chocolate. And when we made it, it was the first time I saw chocolate in its separate parts. Um, and when I did see it like that, it was just like a herb, like it was just another herb and I knew what herbs to mix with it. So that's where chocolate began. And at that point, I was also like, cool, I can do all the cultured foods of our culture mixed with herbs, um, which I am still doing. Um, however, I thought it was going to happen a lot quicker and chocolate kept revealing itself more and more. So then I went down the train of studying like the science of cacao and the history and like the mythology and the magic of cacao and then through learning that it opened up more so then i was also living it which i call that's where the chocolate dreaming began that's essentially chocolate dreaming is a process that i take people through and it's it, it's already been so i can talk about it and it's currently happening and there's a future version that we can talk about and create while we're journeying with it um so yeah chocolate really came in as a perfect medium for everything that i was already doing at that time and a way to serve it to the essentially the greater culture that we we're all a part of so yeah that's that's where chocolate came in and it still keeps popping up in different ways like i, I was just planting cacao beans three weeks ago and that's that's a quite a profound piece of like you can have a cacao bean which my, most people don't even know what it is but then when you realize you can eat that cacao bean or if you get it, you can sprout and grow a whole nother tree in a forest of them. So there's there's so many layers of for me, it keeps me on on the on the edge, on my edge um, of innovation and what like the unknown as well, being able to like explore it, to those realms and to the fact that everyone's had a Cadbury's bar or a Mars bar in their house. So it's one of those magics that are right in front of everyone, which I really love. Um, so it's one of those, uh, kind of like an undercover agent plant. Um, so I like, I like it because there's essentially a tree would just spread its seed, right? That's what it wants to do. So we can go, oh, cacao wants this or cacao wants that. And it's like, really? Or does cacao just want to spread its seeds? Um, and then we can get more cosmic because then cacao has already spread its seed to every corner of the globe and everyone loves it. So from there, it's, it's already created. Um, it's allowed its own pathway through, you know, things like witch burnings and book burnings and all the things certain plants are still there reminding us and have almost innate wisdom that we can tap into, which I think we're seeing now with, cacao you know this is 10 years 10 years later um really 
being in the forefront of the spiritual community, almost to the point where people are rolling their eyes at oh, another cacao ceremony. And that's when you know something is good. It's like yoga, you know, like eight years ago, yoga was almost that or six years. People be like, oh, yoga, because it's so there. And then it just fits back into now it's part of our community again. It's it's a way, you know, it's it's the way shower. And we spoke a bit in the in the prelude to this just about that religion with no name you know, it pops up and becomes a practice that's a part of that religion that we don't need to name. <laughs> I, was like, I was just smiling. I'm just like, I've made a habit of muting myself in between because like I did a few weeks ago, forgot to do that. And I just the amount of background noise on my end, I'm like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> so just muting myself and just nodding, smiling. Um, I was going to say, one of the things that really popped my frame when I first started speaking to you about cacao is that you so fluidly move between calling cacao and chocolate, which I think is an interesting thing because you see a lot of spiritual people get quite dogmatic. It's like it's, it's cacao. What is it for you that, I guess, allows you to weave the two? And what's, I guess, what's your intention, if it is intentional? Yeah. It's funny because it's all made up anyway, right? We, we all know that. So in a way, being a chocolate wizard, I get to make it up. Um, I, I come from a long lineage of humans working it out um, with that religion with no name. So um, I'm fully qualified to be naming my own things while respecting all the other cultures as well. Um, so cacao is interesting because in the Maya, they would call it cacao. Um, the botanical name of chocolate or the chocolate tree or the cacao tree is Theobroma cacao, which translates into Theo from Theos is God, Broma from food in, in ancient Greek. And there's a whole thing tied into the ancient Greek as well. We could look at that another time. Um, so really it's cacao, the way that it's spelt is an English way. And we've chosen to use it that way. From my understanding, it was David Wolf, David Avocado Wolf, who really coined that term and coined the whole like raw cacao and what it all, what it all is and all the, the information in there. Some of it's valid and some of it pushed a bit far. Um, you can go into details within that as well. But then also when you take a step back to cocoa, um, C-O-C-O-A, which we all know as a cocoa powder. Um, that also people think cocoa powder is, is Dutch cocoa, which Dutch cocoa has been alkalized, so it's water soluble. However, if you look at the bigger business of chocolate, we're talking not little, uh, little farms or little cacao, 4% of the population type thing. We're talking about big emperors of chocolate, like confectionery companies and those farms, they're all cocoa farms. You take a cacao pod, it's a cocoa pod and it's cocoa. So that hasn't been any process. That's as raw as you can get and still called cocoa. So it's an industry name. And so cacao is almost just a new age name, yet it does have that science uh, specific epithet, which is like Theobroma cacao. So then with, with chocolate, chocolate could technically be cocoa, sugar, and milk. Yeah, it's like that's also a definition of chocolate, but also you get bean to bar chocolate makers now that are just using cocoa and almost like 100% cocoa where they even dehydrate the juice of cacao and use that sugar, which is what we're going to be doing at the plantations up north. Um, so for me, 
back to the reasoning. So if someone says I'm saying the wrong thing, I can tell them why they're saying the wrong thing too. We're, we're either all wrong or we're all right. And I prefer to be all right. Um, so I chose chocolate dreaming as the process opposed to like a cacao ceremony um, because I could feel the field of how ceremony can be really serious and ceremony can also mean certain things to certain people in certain places. Um, and energetically, it was just too much static for what I was doing. Um, so I created my own version of it. So dreaming for me, we all dream anyway. I could daydream. I can daydream right now about being under a waterfall with the water trinkling on my head and it's a really nice cool breeze and the sun shining on my face. So we're all doing it anyway, right? Um, so that was easy. And when I spoke to my more um, mainstream friends and I, I said, what's dreaming for you? They all were super open. Where if I said ceremony, it might go into like, you know, almost like the seriousness of a wedding ceremony or, a, or church or like some named religion that someone had either into or not into or um, and then chocolate linguistically it's more receptive. And I knew that from the beginning that more people would be open to chocolate because everyone loves it. So everyone has a memory of eating chocolate and someone gave it to them that loved them. So that linguistic nature, and we know the potency of, of spells and spelling for me really sat with, with why I chose that one. Um, because I also had the vision of being able to access everyone everywhere. So one day I may have cattle that produce milk and we make milk powder and I make milk chocolate maybe. And from sugar cane that grow, is grown on the plantation as well. And then it's, it is this chocolate bar that's a milk chocolate, really high in sugar, you know, that still gets to someone who wouldn't touch it any other way. And if they can have, a chocolate dreaming experience and connect deeper with themselves so they can feel more connected with this earth, then that's, that's the, that's the quest, not whether it's certified organic fair, fair trade from a small group farmed in a certain way, which is also great. It's just finding that fine line. So for me, I do like to yeah, call it chocolate or cacao. And now I'm using cocoa more as well because I don't know how many people have looked past the the dark side of the cocoa industry to actually see what the what good is there. I think everyone kind of looks at the big chocolate industry and looks at like too much sugar, obesity, diabetes, killing people, and then the farming, child labor, all those things, and then they just don't look at anyone. They'll they'll repeat that story, they'll repeat that dreaming, and ultimately still dreaming it in. Whereas for me, there's no bad chocolate, and there is these big corporations or that can be family that are also looking at maintaining their business and starting to put in um, regenerative practices into their farms and looking after their farmers. So for like someone who's just looking into it to even judge how big that almost business is, it's hard to fathom how quickly you can change a business. We can know like when we want to change our website, how much of a how much of a dilemma that is imagine changing your whole farming thing of like millions of kilos of of cacao or how that's made and the lives that are affected by that even if they are perceived as getting underpaid or anything like that so 
I, I went on a bit of a, a rant there, um, which is great. So essentially, I just like chocolate is kind of just that safe one. Think of chocolate it makes you feel loved. Like when you go, would you like some chocolate and it lights someone up? That's why I like to use chocolate. And cacao is more of a, uh, a niche. It's got a bit of a click to it. And I kind of weave, weave in and out of circles like that. Like I prefer to, to not get too into a culture. Like I've spent a lot of time decolonizing from this bacterial colony from the English that we're all a part of, you know, so to then subscribe to another culture doesn't quite feel fully aligned unless it's a healing culture. Yeah. Or a secret one. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many pieces in that. One of the ones that I would like, I'm bookmarking in my mind as a sound bite is when you said, I come from a long lineage of people trying to figure it out. Like that just spoke to me on so many levels. Um, because it is, it's true. It's that idea of, you know, and I love the piece you said about, you know, what if we're all right? It's yeah. it's such a, a nuanced piece. And I love how you're able to, to to blend the, again, it's like, it is, it's alchemy. It's taking the pieces together and, and realizing it's all part of a greater whole. And if we're able to bring those things together and transcend and become more fully realized, how magical is that? Yeah. So you did mention about the plantations. You did chat with me before we jumped on about your new project to do with meditation. Would you elaborate on that one? Sure. So it's, uh, it's called the chocolate it's called the cacao meditation project um, or experiment actually. So again, the name, the names are kind of fluid. So um, it's a cacao meditation experiment between cacao trees, like living trees, little baby ones and humans. So um, essentially there's an experimental plot happening up north where there's baby cacaos that are being researched. And I've had the opportunity to um, connects a device that I have, which is called the music of the plants. Um, if you want to look up more information, you can look up music of the plants. You can also look up secret life of plants and how they worked out that plants do give off an energy. There's a, there's a way to measure the energy and that, uh, plants are conscious and can respond to certain things and do respond to human interaction. So essentially recording the songs of these plants, because you can hook the plants up to like a synthesizer. So it's kind of like giving the each plant a flute. So it can all kind of sound the same, but they all play it differently. And also with a different intention. Um, and then linking them with humans. So humans can listen to the song of the plant and look at a picture of the plant and send love and gratitude to these plants. So these plants can grow. And the, the bigger vision of that is so that we have cacao that's certified organic, fair trade, grown in organic soil with all the things and no children hurt and and meditated by humans. So on an energetic level that I was speaking with Sun, my business partner in Flower of Life Cacao, about the 0.001%, which is physicality. So if we take that away and then we work with the 0.999%, which is everything else, then we're working in this intentionality space. So now you're having cacao that's being grown with the intention of humans growing on it to then eat that cacao and set intentions as well. So yeah, at this, at this stage, um, recording the plants, connecting with people and watching how that experiment, um, unfolds. So 
I'll be able to um, get more and more data from the trees and how they're growing. And then also through human sharing that are involved in it, sharing how they're growing as well, because there's a, a piece in there where people have the opportunity through being a part of the experiment to then form a relationship with the tree on a deeper level, kind of like how we can go into nature and nature will take any negative energy we have. The plant can do that too. Once you're sending love and gratitude, then you can also open up, you've opened up that um, allyship with the plant and can offer what's on your heart, any dross, any, any grief, and the plants will decompose that and compost it and use it as well. So there's this, always this aspect of connecting people more with themselves and the earth in that process. And then also in the future, having um, cacao that is yeah infused with human intention on on that level all the way through so um yeah that's that's the that's the kind of like the edge of where i'm at which really excites me and like planting trees and recording their songs and connecting them with humans so that there's a whole new generation of of chocolate that's going to be made you know because i've i know in 2012 it's like just making chocolate with intention and mixing other herbs and what what effect that has happened in the dreaming on whatever scale it's what wants to happen so that next level where we're we're becoming more aware of the consciousness of the planet and that we're actually of them if you like like we are the fruiting bodies that are seeding consciousness so it's one aspect where i'm seeding consciousness to the point of forming these etheric relationships with plants so if anyone is interested in like is curious about that to just reach out to me and I'll, I should be able to connect you with the tree as well. That's so cool. I'll be having Carl's details in the show notes as well as on the YouTube video. If you're catching this on YouTube, have all of his details there to be able to reach out to him. There was a piece that you mentioned there around what wants to happen, which is something that I always remember from being in dreamings with you, you speak to this idea of what wants to happen. When was that something that really landed for you in terms of being no longer a concept and something that you deeply felt? Because whenever you say the words, I feel the vibration in your body that you really do feel the threads of what wants to happen. Can you speak to your journey around that? Yeah. Um, well, the first one that comes to mind is I have a dear friend, Kat Dawes. Um, she created Nowism. Um, you can check out her stuff, which is really great. It's like a real, it's kind of like Eckhart Tolle in a more like active, really witty, sexy way of bringing you back to the now. Um, and she was one of the first people to like really bring, bring that concept in um, for me. And then you can also see it like when you're, asking like even in church or religions that was like how can god work through me you know rather than me moving it it's like is it if it's it's almost like if it is to be then it will be i think that was bob marley um what is to be will be must be or something like that so i guess that's it's been part of the dreaming right from the beginning as well as in that because it's a it's it's elemental as well, and in that etheric space, again, when we're talking about the the point nine 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 percent that isn't physical, that's where all the answers are. Well, that's where nine point nine 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 percent of the answers are. Um, so, 
the embodiment of it, like it's still a work in the ritual for me. And whenever things do get challenging and I, it's usually because I haven't been meditating. And then when I do meditate and I ritual and I start to find that stillness again, then I remember that and then also ask. And a big piece in there when you said that ego getting involved, a really interesting one, especially within like the spiritual community is that I could say chocolate's going to save the world and it's going to do it this way. But in two years, that may have already happened. And if I'm still like it needs to be this way, then it's shifted from like a dharmic path to a um, a righteous path. So then it's good to check in every now and then like what actually wants to happen here is what I was dreaming before and doing that's now causing me stress. Is it actually what wants to happen? You know, and that that's happened to me multiple times where I've started a concept and then gotten stressed and then seen somebody else doing it or a similar thing and having a moment of like, oh no, I'm too late. Oh, I've done this. And then actually go, well, hang on. The intention that 0.999% is happening and it's just not through me right now. So then, okay, cool. What does want to happen through me right now or in this moment right now? So it allows each situation to be, I guess, a little bit easier and fresher. Um, and often when you do practice it enough, it's like what wants to happen. And often in the dreamings like that you've been in that I've done, when I ask that question of myself, I get a visual of me sitting with the people that I'm sitting with, which is really cool to have that when you do it enough times to question what it is that wants to happen opposed to what you think needs to happen. And then when it starts, the, the two start matching up, I feel like that's where the, 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 the line of purpose stands. Wow. That needs to be on a t-shirt, like the line of purpose. <laughs> Love it. Um, that piece of where you were talking about, you know, coming back to that stillness and what wants to happen. I feel that that is where that intersection of magic and business is so aligned because if we're able to navigate that line of purpose, as you mentioned, business just flows and it, and it moves through us in such a more expansive and easeful and creative way. And I think that that, as we, we circle back to what we mentioned before, and that was the, the piece that really opened everything up for me, being able to navigate through that line of, rather than force allowing and and being in that current so that's beautiful to come back to that for those people that are listening the people that are entrepreneurs the people that are on this magical path what would you say to yourself maybe 10 years ago on the beginning of this journey wow um Ten years ago, I would say meditate more. That's probably the one thing I would say. And learn how to sell. That would be that would that would be that would be mine. Just because I was I'm pretty like elusive. Um throughout my life, I'm getting better and better at sales, but are pretty elusive with like this and this and this and not quite because selling is service um, in a certain way. And even when you think of like a 
a religious service or anything like that, that, that happens. It's a way of offering something. Um, and it can be something harder for spiritual people that are starting a business with purpose to think that selling is bad or that money is bad or any of that stuff. So it would be, yeah, looking into one, that connection with self and really learn about what money actually is. Um, purely because at school, I was like one of the top in accounting. And the reason I didn't study accounting to be an accountant is because my best mate was, and now he's just my accountant. So that works out really, really well. Um, it worked out, but there's definitely a piece in there. If someone wants to be an entrepreneur, then to, to learn about the, the realm of business and money, because it is its own, it's its own beast, if you like, or it's its own dimension. Um, different to just having a job. Yeah, absolutely. There is that real radical self-responsibility that comes from entrepreneurship, which of course intersects with the world of magic and being in the, in the current of, of moving yeah. with what wants to happen. And of course, what comes with that is learning the, the tools, which of course is selling, marketing, being able to communicate so that people can come and receive the magic. Totally. And bringing it back to alchemy, it's that, um, with the meditation, like bringing it back to self and doing the work in self and knowing your own yeses and nos and getting to know how you respond. And then like the process is the magic, you know, essentially the alchemy is about the process that you do it. So as a business, what are the processes that need to happen or to learn that the actual process, you know, the practice and there's, um, yeah, there's a lot to read. I suppose in alchemy, there's like pray, read, reread, reread, then do the work, you know, and then things happen. So it's knowing it's not just enough to only have that first invocation of I'm going to change the world. There's other pieces to be open to what presents at what time. Yeah. Absolutely. So much wisdom there. Thank you so much, Carl. Was there any pieces that you wanted to add before we close this one out? No, I think that's, that's good. We can wrap it up like a chocolate bar. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, Jess.